Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 19, One Sock. This week, I finished a sock. In my head, I celebrated. One sock down! Considering how many pairs of socks I've had to throw away this summer, commercial ones, not hand-knit, that's fantastic. All right, I said to myself. Now, I just need to make the second one. And how long will that take? Well, how long did the first one take me? And that is when I realized. This was the sock that I started before Fiber Week. I started it in mid-June, and we're now at the autumnal equinox, which means, if the first sock is anything to go by, that I'll have a new pair by Christmas. Socks are not a difficult knit. These are even easier because there is no pattern. The only hard parts are the rib at the top, the heel, and the toe. The rest is just plain knit. So why did it take me three months to finish a sock? Well, I was doing my level two homework and the tapestry, and I finished a blanket square, a hat, a beard, some flowers, a baby hat, a baby sweater, a couple of small swap projects, and a fairly big circular shawl. I was also working on a lace tunic and figuring out sweater sleeves. But it's just a sock. Socks, especially plain ones, just don't take that long. Now, I have no illusions about my skills. I'm a competent knitter, but I'm no speed demon. I've knit socks, but only maybe about a dozen pairs, counting baby socks, mini socks, and aborted socks. I still have to look up heel math, or follow a pattern, and I still don't instinctively know when a leg or a foot is long enough, so I'm spending some time trying them on as I go. But I do understand sock construction, even if I don't know the ratios by rote yet. And in any case, the straightaways between the toe, heel, and cuff should just fly by. Yes, there are about 20,000 stitches in a pair of socks. I do understand that. But many of those stitches, in fact, most of them, are simple, mindless stitches. And yet, three months No wonder my stash of sock yarn fills one whole compartment of my yarn shelving. And no wonder the box is filled to bursting. I've been suckered in by the myth, in my case apparently, that socks are easy, simple, and fast to knit. Just based on six months per pair, and with the sock yarn I have in my stash at this moment, I am set for over 12 years. Even if I gave myself the benefit of the doubt and said one pair every season, that's still six years of socks, if I never succumb to yarn store temptation again. And we all know how likely that is to happen, especially with everyone saying, but sock yarn doesn't count as stash. No, I must be missing something. I know socks don't take that long. I've seen people around me finish socks in far less time than that. 
and they're not just using bigger yarn or have smaller feet than my size 12 women's. I have a friend who seems to be working on a new pair of socks every week, or at least every other week. How is it that it takes me three months to finish a single sock, and yet there are people who can finish a pair of socks in no time? Oh, right. No time. I've often wished for an extra few usable hours in a day, but never more so than recently. I run to appointments after work, and after many of them, my focus is on pain management, leaving my brain little room for even play knitting. And then, too, I go to bed early those days, and now that Mike is working, I also have to get myself dinner once I do get home. And I've learned from experience, knitting after 8.30pm is a gamble at the best of times. More often than not, a mistake that I just didn't notice has me wasting time tinking the next day. Right now, a sock takes me three months because, with all the other projects I want and need to work on, that's how much time I have to devote to it. I shouldn't berate myself for it. So what if others seem to have those extra hours I wish I had? I'm still knitting, still knitting socks, and someday my schedule will settle down again to the point where I have a bit more time. Maybe it won't take me three months to knit a sock then. Maybe it won't take me a month to spin one skein of yarn, or finish a tapestry horse's head, or read a regular-sized book. Yes, there are deadlines. But being aware of the usable hours in a day, and being able to budget them and be honest about how many there are, is the only way to manage them. A sock took me three months, because I knew it didn't matter when it was finished. I worked on it when I could, and when I felt like it. Because that, in the end, is why we do this. Knitting is fun. It's relaxing and a way to manage stress. It's a way to take those hours that we have, however many or few of them there are, and make them count. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. Well, I got my level two homework back just after the last episode, and indeed, I passed. In fact, I passed with a decent amount of room to spare. And it still leaves me hopeful that I will be able to get my Master Spinner certificate with distinction. So, but I'm only two levels in, there's still four levels to go. I got really great feedback from Gail. She really went through everything that I'd sent her, wrote down her observations, and even sent me just an overall uh, letter critique of, uh, of how I'd done. And, and what really felt great was that the things that I'd identified in myself that I needed to work on were also the things that she suggested I work on. And uh, that includes more consistency in, in the spin Uh, in terms of uh, the actual thickness of the singles and more consistency in the twist in both the single and the ply. So I'm going to have to sit down and do that, but I think going forward into level three, if I start with the twists per inch um, skeins, that will really help get my mind around 
exactly how it works and to get into that rhythm that I really need. So what's going on my birthday list, which is coming up next month, is the lap cloth from uh, Kaylee Wool. I'm going to have to probably go out and get it myself because I want want to pick my color. This is a leather lap cloth that has, it's two-sided, so on each side there's a circle uh, of leather on the one side. Uh, That's really good for flick carding. And on the other side are basically strips of leather in alternating colors in one inch widths. So you have basically a gauge right there on your lap that you don't have to recreate with painter's tape every time. So that's going on my birthday list. I think that will really help going forward into uh, level three. So that's kind of the level two wrap up. I'm pretty pleased with it. Uh, If you, I'm just going to put it out there as as listeners, if you want me to go through the exercises in level two, the same way I did in level one, let me know, either post a comment on this episode's show notes, or just drop a note on Ravelry, and I'll go through, and uh, I'll, I'll think about it myself as well, and, and see if I, I want to do that going forward. So, level three. What have I done? Not too much. It's been another one of those couple of weeks, which is not surprising. I, I do lose a lot of time when I have a tough appointment and uh, acupuncture has been significantly tough and I'm gonna, I don't know, we'll think about it, what I'm gonna do in terms of my health, but that's neither here nor there. I'd actually made Moata. Um, there was a, there's a blog post up about the adventure. Basically I couldn't find washing soda and then I couldn't find time and I sat down and well, no, I didn't sit, I did it standing. But uh, weekend before last, no, last weekend, and made Moata. And it was kind of a comedy of errors, but in the end, I I ended up with some Moata. Things I would do next time I make Moata. My friend Karen suggested finding some manner of strainer to keep the cocoons from floating to the top and keeping them submerged, which would work if I could find one that well, A, would fit in my crock pot, and B, would be deep enough for the amount of water I'm using. So I'll have to keep an eye out. I might go shopping at thrift stores. We'll see. Um, but that's if I make Moata again. <laughs> I spun the Moata yesterday morning, and my fingers still hurt. I really dislike spinning homemade Moata. They're just not fun. And it's probably because I the Moata aren't made well. I haven't had much experience spinning commercial Moata either, but I'm pretty sure it's not that bad. Anyway, the two singles are spun. I have to ply them up at some point. Maybe not today. My fingers still hurt and I'm a little annoyed. But whatever. Anyway, hopefully there's 10 yards there. If there's not 10 yards, there is a little notation in the workbook that I don't have to have 10 yards for this skein. So I think I'm done at this point with handmade Moata. So I think I'm going to move on to other silk blends, just or not silk blends, silk preparations, just because um, right now I'm annoyed with silk. So I should really spin more silk and let myself know that it's not all annoying. But what I think I'll do is I'll do the math for, uh, I think it's 16 uh, twists per inch applied 
yarn and do that out of silk top definitely top not Moana so that's that's the fiber week update we're already here almost at the end of September yeah it's there's not that much time left I've got to get going fiber notes so fiber notes I'm going to start by stepping outside of the anonymity of Knitminton for a second just to quickly talk about how much fun it was <laughs> to be down really a central part of Edmonton you know it's not a very affluent area with a whole bunch of artisans and artists and and really hanging out in 30 degree weather in a wool toque and beard I'm not going to go there but really just the feedback that we got from people as we were putting up the uh, the yarn garden people would stop by and and touch it and you know look closer towards the end as as more and more of the flowers and and other things went up on it and just to see what they could see and it was really fantastic to 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 see that kind of of interaction with people it made it all worthwhile but what made it and and even if nothing else had happened even if there hadn't been any kind of competition that would have made it worth it and we're already planning on going back next year because of that but it was a competition and and first prize uh, got a thousand dollars and second prize got five hundred dollars and there were four lampposts decorated and we came in first we won and it's amazing you know we were up against I mean I don't want to put it this way but we were up against real artists and we won you know a bunch of chicks with sticks and we won so what we plan on doing with that thousand dollars is donating it half of the money will go to the Nina Haggerty Center for the Arts it's a small um, gallery down in that area that specifically helps people with uh, disabilities to explore their artistic selves. So $500 will go there, and the other $500 will go to the Alzheimer's Society of uh, the Alberta chapter of the Alzheimer's Society. So, so that was great. And, and now the cloak of anonymity is coming back up, and, and I'm extraordinarily proud of everybody involved in Knitminton uh, for that. So, on a personal side, in terms of knitting, I started a scarf. Actually, I've done a couple things this week. Um, I, Like I said, I signed up for a couple of swaps. And the one was a mini sock swap. And I actually, I designed the sock again. I did it the last time I did the mini sock swap too. And in this case, I, did a, I designed a color work pattern. I'm sort of happy with the way it turned out. The, the top part was fantastic. The The part I did on the foot was half intarsia, and I've never done intarsia before, so it didn't quite look as nice. But overall, you know, it was really... It was fun. It was a lot of fun. But I can't talk a lot about it because 
the person who's sending me a box is the person I'm sending to. So just in case she's still stalking me, I don't want to spoil the surprise. So I did a couple of little, the sock and another little project for that swap. For the larger swap, the dragon swap, I'd, I'd started a scarf with the skein of uh, yarn that I'd spun in August. That, uh, that was the perfect color and everything. And I got about probably eight rows in and realized that this yarn is overspun. It's really coarse uh, when it's knit up. The fabric is is really coarse. But I'm sure it'd make really great socks. So I stopped. I'd, I'd done those eight rows and and just wasn't working out. There's no point in continuing. So I went back into my stash and I put, pulled out a ball of um, Yavol Magic Superwash. Now this is a singles sock yarn in 75% superwash wool and 25% nylon. I don't know what's with the singles sock yarn. Maybe it's, you know, coming from the whole Noro thing. But yeah, I'm not sure I'd ever make socks out of this. It's a really lightly spun yarn. Like there's not a lot of twist in it. And even though it's 25% nylon, I just don't know how it would hold up. So in that way, I'm glad that the colors in this really work for the scarf. So the scarf that I'm knitting is the Dragon Eye Scarf. This is a free pattern on Ravelry. I'll link to it in the show notes. And I'm through. It's it's side to side instead of end to end. So the rows are really long, but there's not that many of them. So it kind of evens out. So I'm through the first pattern section, and I'm on to the sort of eye section. And I decided I would try and do a little bit of beading putting some beads on it I threw in a lifeline before I started the beading just in case so what I've done so far is I'm I'm doing the beading with the dental floss method and I'm remembering why I don't really like the dental floss method I much prefer the crochet hook to add uh, to add to it I've never tried anything pre-strung I may prefer that I don't know but that would be something later that I have to try. I really do like the look of beads and knitting. I've beaded uh, a couple of projects before now, and I really like the weight that they give it and that little bit of texture, and when you wear it, that little bit of coolness from the glass beads. So I'm quite hoping that these beads will work out. I'm about four rows in, no, two ro- two beaded rows in. I'm going to do about four rows and then take a look and see if if it's working. So... So yeah, really long rows, 320 stitches a piece. And this middle section is 18 rows, then another, I think 16 on the other side of that, four rows of garter, and I'm done. So I'm not halfway, but I'm getting there. And naturally, the sock, singular. And I really have nothing more to say about the sock than what I already said in my essay. Well, except that I'm going to reinforce the toe and the heel probably sometime after I cast on the next sock, since the reinforcing thread is already there. And I'm going to use this as practice for darning, because I have three pairs of socks upstairs, 
that I need to darn uh, before they go all the way through. And hey, it might have been plus 30 yesterday, and it might be plus 30 again today. But you know, we're headed into cooler temperatures and uh, my hand knit wool socks are going to be really nice to have at that point. Especially since it takes me three months to knit a pair. No, three months to knit one. Yes, I need all the hand knit socks in, you know, in commission before the first frost hits us. So that is the fiber notes update. And yes, I will cast on the second sock before the next episode. Fiberside Chat So yesterday was Worldwide Spin in Public Day. And if you're a spinner, I hope wherever you are, you were able to go out and take your wheel or your spindle or your sharka or your hook stick or whatever it is you spin on and were able to go out and spend some time in public. I went down to the Edmonton Weavers Guild's Worldwide Spin in Public Day event, uh, which took place by Edmonton City Hall. And because it was such a beautiful day, we actually set up outside, which was great because we actually had people who live across from Churchill Square in an apartment building that's several stories high, who saw us from their you know, living room windows come down and ask us what we were doing which was really cool. It was really fun. Uh, So we set up outside and there were three of us who were not members of the guild and three uh, people there who were members of the guild. And one woman brought a great wheel and we really had a good time. Now, because I'm not a member of the guild and I've never really had a chance to, you know, sit down and really talk to people who, who are members of the guild, I thought it might be nice to, to interview the guild members and ask them, you know, first of all, what, what they liked most about being in the Edmonton Weavers Guild and also what, uh, what they plan on doing next weekend, because this year is the 60th anniversary of the Edmonton Weavers Guild. And next weekend they're having a big to do, which includes a sheep to shawl competition. So here's a quick fiber side chat with Carly, Brenda, and Maureen from the Edmonton Weavers Guild. We're here outside Edmonton City Hall for the Edmonton Weavers Guild's Worldwide Spin and Public Day event, which is a precursor to tomorrow's or next weekend's main event, which is the uh, Sheep to Shawl competition. Uh, and all of this is in celebration of the Edmonton Weavers oh, wow. Guild's 60th anniversary. So I'm sitting with maybe you introduce yourselves, Carly, Maureen, Maureen, and Brenda. Brenda from the Edmonton Weavers Guild. So 60 years of, uh, of the Edmonton Weavers Guild. That's a long time. I wasn't here. You were there? Oh, for the celebration? Not in no, for the beginning. No, no, no. no one was, was there? there? No. Was there a 50th anniversary celebration? There was. Yes, there was. Yeah. 10 years ago? What'd you do? Yeah. Coincidentally. Yeah. yeah, we we had, it was held at the, um, Edmonton uh, Strathcona Armory mm-hmm. and uh, we had a tea and we had displays and demos and yeah and the open house for mm-hmm. for for the community mm-hmm. it sounds like yeah. it was good it was, it was well fun. attended yeah yeah 
And so the plans for this year, the 60th anniversary, you decided to do something a little different? Yeah. Well, it's the, it's the diamond anniversary, so um, we do have a couple of events going on, one being the Sheep to Shawl. Mm -hmm. We're on opposing teams, uh. Vanessa, so... Uh, <laughs> This is all happy now, but next week... Yeah, next week it's on. It's, it's totally on. <laughs> Total. Um, so the Sheep to Shawl, yes, we will have displays from mm -hmm. each of the study groups. Mm -hmm. um, everybody's been busily working on things that they do. Uh, our group, Carly, Maureen, and I are all in the, the same Thursday night study group, and we've shared out a beautiful... Uh, merino fleece and we'll be displaying what we've all done individually with the fleece that we shared um, so there'll be demos there will be displays there is the shape dish all oh and our juniors our, our juniors have been working on a project uh, they're anywhere from 10 to 16 years old and what a great bunch of kids yeah and they kind of inspired each other and got together and decided they keep it a secret. Oh, so you don't know what it is? So, well, I do yeah. because oh. I am a junior so myself. Oh, okay. Honorary. An honorary junior. Um, so I do know what it is, but they've kept it under wraps and they've been sending out emails or posting in the newsletter about top, great top secret things that they're doing and it's all to be unveiled next week and they're so enthusiastic and... It's really great to see kids of that age that are interested in fiber and doing things with their hands. And they're, they're sponges. They just absorb everything yeah. you show them. And, and they come up with so many ideas which are just sort of off the wall that really work. And they do. They're not afraid to yeah. try it. They make it. them work. That's right. That's right. And, and they go off in all different directions. And it's quite producing quite neat stuff. So all quite wonderful. How yeah. many uh, juniors do you have? Yeah. I think we have eight right now mm -hmm. and uh, school commitments and various extracurriculars keep them from all attending all at the same time which is good because that keeps us on our toes um, but they're really they're, they're a really great example of how you work together because one person one, one junior will maybe not really fit in with what's going on on this table, but that won't stop them from inserting themselves on another table and just moving right in. And it's fun to watch them. Mm -hmm. they, they really do blend together, just like fibers. Mm -hmm. So the Edmonton Weavers Guild, obviously has been around for 60 years. What, what does the guild do now? Um, is it? It's not just for weavers, obviously. It's for it's for spinners and knitters and felters and what else? Dyers. Dyers. Yeah. Yeah, the natural dye workshop. Yes. And the, and commercial and the dyes. Commercial and the commercial. Dyes. There's yeah, another sure. one coming up this year. Yeah. Uh, I forget the lady's name. Allison, is it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she's very um, well thought of by the dyers in our group. I saw some of the dyes from that workshop. It looks really neat, eh? Yeah, they're gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. just beautiful. And uh, so what we do mostly is teach, and we show off in public. Like we're oh, we did do a silk trying reeling. to. Yeah, we had silk reeling workshop. Carly attended that. 
Um, so our mandate is to give back to the community by going out to events like this. Uh, we teach. We we have class. Well, we have regular we have classes. Regular we have scheduled classes. classes in, we'll even in visit aspects. classrooms around the city, mm-hmm. or we have done. Yeah, and and the ages go from from probably for the the adult section of the Weavers Guild from about eighteen to over ninety. We've got and the 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 members. There are so many members that are such capable teachers that have gone on to go to um, take special programs where they get their what certificate in in spinning or weaving or and um, they're they're the the samples the material uh, the products that they produce are just superb quality they're second to none and um, they attend um, North American and there's a North American Weavers Guild uh, and there's also uh, a Northwest a Northwest Canada US Weavers Guild uh, which is a which sort of continental thing and, and um, um, yeah and we have our membership in Edmonton is our, our membership in Edmonton area would easily be what about just over a hundred well but over Edmonton and like oh I see in um, in, in, uh, guilds that that are located near to us we cross over Um, I don't know there's so many 150 150 or so just in the community yeah yeah (laughs) and people get together from BC and Saskatchewan for conferences that we have in, in Alberta and we have Travels, great places. I mean, travels to uh, um, Vancouver Island for, or well, Salt Spring Island too for, for, for teaching sessions and different conferences and that. So we're happy. We're happy to go lots of places. <laughs> yeah. There's always a field. Field trips are always good. Yeah. Yeah. So, if someone was considering joining the guild, what would you say to them to sort of sell them on? becoming a member Hmm. the camaraderie is the best thing Mm -hmm. the learning opportunities um, the bang for your buck Mm -hmm. we're only a $50 a year um, membership fee and for that you get access to all of the equipment in our guild home Uh, we have a newsletter how many times a year four times no it's more than four I think, it's, I think it's for me. Is it for me? You're talking to okay. the you're talking to the newsletter person pretty sure, now. Pretty sure yeah, it's yeah, for yeah. We're, yeah. Oh, we're good spokespeople, aren't we? <laughs> we have an extensive library. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even better than our library are the mentors in our group. They're they're as valuable a source as a good book is. Mm-hmm. Um, so much student knowledge with this. Yeah, there is. Yeah. 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 Lots of such yeah great expertise um also you can take a class in anything without when you sign up you do you don't have to have any equipment at all equipment for for 
are learning to spin or weave is is totally comes with the, the classes, the first class, the beginner class that you start, or the other intermediate. You know, lots of intermediate classes too, depending yeah, on what it is. So yeah, so there's no um, you know there's no investment just to take a class at all. So. We're fun to hang with too. Yeah. Just well, come and be so with us. So many, yeah, you just don't want to miss it. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. some of us <coughs> have been around for years and just <laughs> just keep coming back. That's right. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Can't help it. Very worthwhile. Yeah. Very worthwhile group. Worthwhile people. Um, it, it's hard work working with your hands. Yeah. It makes your heart feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to next weekend's little celebration competition. And we're to- I'm totally, I'm totally bringing my A game. Good. And uh, we're not going to win, so it's all good. This is your <laughs> sure first sheep to shawl. It's my first sheep to shawl. Oh, good for so you. So it'll be a lot of fun. Oh, good for you. So, but thanks for sitting down and talking with me. It's great. Great Thank to meet you. Thank you. By the Wayside. Dear Nathan, Remember how last week I was all, Oh, horse's head, no problem, two weeks? Totally get it done. I really need to stop making promises. I know what you're thinking. You've looked at the picture and there's a horse's head that's mostly filled in. And yeah, you're right. But the only reason that there's a horse's head that's almost filled in is because I stayed up late last night, and I got up really early this morning, and I've spent most of my available time working on the tapestry, including laundry time, which I usually use for spinning. And I don't mind, I really don't, because I'm totally loving the horse's head, and it's great. But it's been another one of those couple of weeks, and and while I like having the reminder of the podcast to let me know that I haven't worked on it in two weeks. I don't like the guilt. So I'm going to make you one more promise. And that is, I'm going to stop making promises. I'm I'm going to work on it. I'm not even going to look ahead to what it is I'm going to be working on, though. And it will still get done. There is one other thing I'd like to mention, though. And that is that There are only six colors in the tapestry, and yet somehow I might have gotten one of them wrong. I mean, I don't think so. I mean, the red and the yellow, those are pretty easy. I'm pretty sure I didn't screw those up. Pretty sure I'm not colorblind that way. But the other four are light green, dark green, turquoise blue, and navy blue. And when I looked at them on the one piece of cardboard, I could see that the two were from the same color family. So I figured those were the light green and the dark green. Then there was the navy that was pretty easy to pick out. And then the one that was left must have been the turquoise. And so that's what I've done up until this point. And then I got to the horse's head and I started looking at the horse's head and the chart says to do it in T which is turquoise blue. And then I looked at the picture and I looked at the picture again. And in the picture, the horse's head and body are 
a greenish color, but the ears are darker. And so I looked at the chart and the chart said to do the ears in dark green, but the dark green is lighter than the turquoise blue. And I went, huh? So the way I figure it, either I got them wrong and I've switched the turquoise blue and the dark green, but I don't think so. Or the person who did the sample got them wrong and just kept going, which is possible, potentially likely, or the chart is wrong and it shouldn't be turquoise, except there's T's everywhere for the whole horse. So I don't know. Anyway, I've thought about this for a little while, and Nathan, you're getting a turquoise blue horse with dark green ears, which means that the ears will be lighter than the body of the horse, which is completely opposite from the picture on the front of the kit. I still think it looks good, and it's consistent throughout the whole thing. I guess once you've made a mistake, or even if it is a mistake, you just keep going. Anyhow, I hope the next couple of weeks aren't like these past two, and I'm actually able to get a bit more work done on the tapestry. I'm not going to make any guesses as to what I'm going to work on, but that's okay. Yours sincerely, Ness. P.S. I stuck the needle in my finger so deep I bled. Just wanted to let you know. Thank you for joining me for episode 19. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 20 on October 6th, 2013. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion in our group on Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at ness, as in Loch Ness, at bythefiberside.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.